The KM Community Podcast, bringing you stories from Kent's communities every week. Hello and welcome to the KM Community Podcast. I'm your host Oliver Kemp and I'm here to bring you the stories at the heart of communities across the county. If you have a story you think needs to be told, you can email me on okemp at thekmgroup.co.uk. This week, we're travelling far past the boundaries of Kent, almost 4,000 miles, to a place called Kashmir. The region is nestled between India and Pakistan and has been tirelessly fought over by both countries since 1947. The state of Kashmir has been split into two parts since 1949, Azad, Jammu and Kashmir, which is administered by Pakistan, and Jammu and Kashmir, which is administered by India. On August 5th, 2019, a year today, India revoked Jammu and Kashmir's special status, which granted it certain freedoms as its own autonomous territory. When the special status was revoked, the Indian armed forces entered the border by their thousands, placing Jammu and Kashmir on a military lockdown, installing a curfew and a mass communications blackout. The internet was not accessible for a record 213 days. Phone lines didn't work. People were locked in their homes. The lockdown initiated the sudden arrest and detention of Kashmiri journalists, political leaders and some doctors. Many people remain locked up today without a charge against them. Now you might be wondering what this has to do with Kent. Well, it's been estimated there are roughly 400 Kashmiris living in the county. Many have spent the past year fearing for the safety of friends and family still in the region, not knowing what they could be subjected to next. Now, a year on, these Kashmiris want to make more people in the county and the rest of the country aware of what's happening in Jammu and Kashmir. To raise awareness and start a movement to speak up for those who are caught in the crossfire of fighting countries and just want their country's independence. On August 5th, 2019, a man from Medway found himself fearing for his children's lives as he hatched a daring escape from the military lockdown. Dr. Tahir Bat from Hempstead was visiting his parents with his children in Jammu and Kashmir at the beginning of the summer holidays. He was sat at his parents' house when at midnight everything changed. Suddenly everything died down. The TV went off, radio went off, phones went were dead, internet went off, landline was gone and uh, suddenly you were in dark ages. So nobody knew what's happening in the neighborhood. Nobody knew what's happening anywhere in Kashmir. And uh, as it happened, uh, in the morning, I went out of the house and I was stopped because there was army everywhere. I said, this is curfew now, that means you can't leave the house. And I had no idea what's happening in the rest of the world. My brother's a doctor, so we managed to leave the house uh, using his uh, car and uh, reached a local hospital. So from there, I managed to find my friend who is a consultant there. He arranged uh, an ambulance. Normally, whenever there's curfew in Kashmir, ambulances are used to ferry patients, uh, ferry doctors and the medical staff. So you use that as a sort of a hospital bus. So I went in that uh, ambulance to, um, to the local uh, private hospital. Another one, one of my other friends is a consultant there who gave me a private ambulance and we managed to leave Kashmir uh, in an ambulance to the airport without a ticket. I could see the fear in, in the eyes of my kids. They had no idea what's happening, so all I told them, let's go back. And everything was everywhere, so we managed to sort of grab whatever we can, uh, got our, some of our bags in, in an ambulance, and uh, we were walking through sea of army. Every hour, we could have been stopped anywhere, 
anything could have been happened to us. But I think I put a brave face on at that time and managed to reach to the airport. And when I reached the airport, they were, everybody was trying to flee. Everybody wanted to leave Kashmir without a ticket. After the family stowed away in an ambulance and travelled to the airport, Dr. Bat had to convince friends to help him buy tickets to get into Delhi. The internet blackout meant credit and debit cards weren't working. Once they safely reached Delhi and got a flight back to the UK, he continued to fear for the safety of his parents. There was no internet, no phone, and, and there was no communication with them for uh, more than 70 days. And for a very long time, I had no idea whether they knew I had made it to the airport or not. So it was only uh, when one of my colleagues, uh, he visited Kashmir, he physically told my parents that I have managed to reach UK. During my time speaking with the Kashmiri people, many were critical of Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi's government it was his promise of removing the article of law which granted Kashmir its freedoms, Article 370, that triggered the removal of their status as their own region. Despite a general desire to tell the world about what's happened and what is happening in Kashmir, some of those I spoke to wanted to do so anonymously for fear of repercussions for their families still living in the region. They can do anything they want. I don't say that lightly at all. Incarceration, torture, killings, disappearances, rape, and custodial killings. My father's cousin, I'm talking about 1992, was killed in custody. He was 24. This is happening in this day and age, and not in some barbaric country, supposedly uh, world's largest democracy, India. This is India's dirty secret. This is what people need to know about. We're humans, we have to be treated like humans. I'm scared. It's very dangerous to speak against the government, against the Modi government. They can do anything. Our friends, our families are back there. Anything can happen in Kashmir. Anybody can be killed. People disappear from there. So if anybody speaks up, either they are killed or they are arrested, put behind bars, people are labelled as uh, anti-nationals. So, but yet we, we, want to, we want to tell the world what things are like for us, what we are going through. Ajay Persane from Rochester was born in Azad Jammu in Kashmir, the side of the region which is a self-governing state under Pakistani control. It's also referred to by some and by Ajayb as free Kashmir in comparison to the side controlled by India. So despite hailing from the Pakistan side, Ajayb feels it's crucial to make more people aware of what is happening in Jammu and Kashmir. He's been a part of a group of Medway Kashmiris who have been trying to raise awareness about what is happening there. When the articles were revoked and the curfew was put in, in particular as Muslims, we have a close affiliation from a faith point of view as well and uh, we, we realize that our brothers and sisters are suffering and we would like to help them somehow. Children are not going to schools, there's curfews, basic groceries, basic living, you know everything is standstill. If that happened in the UK, what would happen? You know, it would not last one day, you know, uh, that government or without any, without some sort of input from somewhere around the world that this is wrong, it has to stop. Human rights goes across all boundaries and the, 
will of the people. We, we, we you know, we, we, we hear the term, yeah, we want to see democracy in all over the world, but what are we doing? What are you doing to help democracy? Yes, what are you doing to help uh, minorities under persecution? Yeah, we're doing that. We're helping famines, we're doing that. But what are you uh, doing about helping raise the voice of Kashmir? So why did India remove the status of Jammu and Kashmir in the first place? Well, religion is said to be a major factor in this struggle. Pakistan is a majority Muslim country and India is a majority Hindu country. And those two countries have you know, been in some kind of warring state for decades now. You know, this makes Jammu and Kashmir the only Muslim majority state in India, with 60% of people Muslim in a population of almost 8 million. Dr. Aparajita Mukhopadhyay, a lecturer in 19th century imperial history at the University of Kent, said tensions have been bubbling under the surface due to these differences in faith. I think religion plays an important part in it because give or take, Kashmir has a very large number of Muslim population. So if you want to talk about, you know, uh, that they being, it's, it's somehow being treated differently, there is the assumption underlying, even if it is, that we are giving Muslims certain kind of, you know, privileges, if you will, which we are not giving to other citizens, predominantly Hindus, and somehow it is unfair. And for me, as I said previously, for me that is a problem because I don't think in my limited understanding of constitutional processes that just giving one specific group something for, a, as I said previously, for, a, for, a, for a very different historical context doesn't make them automatically less Indian. Part of the support for removing the region's special status came down to a provision in law which gave special privilege to permanent residents which included state government jobs and an exclusive right to own property in Jammu and Kashmir. The UK House of Commons document explains the provision was intended to protect the state's demographic makeup as the only Muslim majority state in India. But India's ruling party, the BJP, have viewed it as discriminatory against non-Muslims. Current Indian Prime Minister Modi promised the revocation of the article, widely supported by nationalist Hindus across the country. Although the communications blackout has been relaxed, India remains in control of the region. The press are not allowed to freely report, with some journalists being summoned to police stations to explain their stories to the authorities. A campaign by Amnesty International told of Jammu and Kashmir police using a piece of legislation called the Unlawful Activities Prevention Act to stop journalists from publishing fake news and in some instances actually arresting them. Now, many Kashmiris' thoughts here in Kent and 4,000 miles away turn towards a resolution to the conflict. There's a push for a plebsit or a referendum to actually let Kashmiris themselves decide what they want their country to be. Dr. Aliyah Majid from Maidstone. To bring it home, I can draw a parallel to Scotland. Uh, just imagine Scotland wants a referendum and it had so, rightly so, a few years back. But instead of referendum, if it was decided that English forces march into Scotland at midnight, at the Cinderella hour, uh, Nicola Sturgeon put in prison, all Scottish political leaders put in prison, anybody ever involved in political activism. No, no voice can be heard. Everybody is in prison, no phones, no internet. You're not talking to the world, world is not seeing you. That's, that's how it was. And it's 
it's unimaginable. It's unimaginable. I mean, I had no contact with my family for two long months. After two months, I heard my dad and it still tears me up. I would just urge for everybody in Kent to take some time and research. Look up Kashmir. Look up Kashmir beyond the lush green meadows, beyond the Himalayas, beyond the lakes, beyond the rivers. Look up Kashmiri people. Then find a Kashmiri, have a cup of tea with them, look them in the eye and see the pain. Thanks for listening to this week's KM Community Podcast. To read more about the Kent Kashmiris and their goal of sharing their stories, head over to kentonline.co.uk where you can read the full story. The KM Community Podcast, bringing you stories from Kent's communities every week.